Hi, I'm Brian Buckhalter, NCSM Awards Chairman, and welcome to Learning with Leaders. We're all math people. Thank you for joining me and my co-host, Katie Arrington, NCSM President-Elect, as we talk with bold leaders and influencers about their math journeys and contributions. Today, we will hear from our special guest about their inspiration, perceptions, and insights about instructional decisions that make mathematics welcoming and engaging to a broad audience. Listen and learn about how beliefs, practices, and policies must continue to advance to ensure that each and every person sees themselves as a capable and powerful mathematical thinker. Hello, listeners. I'm Katie Arrington. Welcome to the NCSM podcast, Learning with Leaders. Continuing our series, We're All Math People. Today's episode is dedicated to teaching math teachers as agape. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest, Dr. Joel Amadon. Dr. Joel Amadon is an associate professor in the Department of Teacher Education at the University of Mississippi, vice president of communications and outreach for the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, and the president of the Mississippi Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators. Joel is also the host or co-host of several podcasts focused on the focused on the improvement of teaching, Amadon Planet. Road to Better Teaching with Dr. Ann Monroe, and Teaching Math Teaching Podcast with Dusty Jones, Jen Wolf, and Ava Vanheiser. His specialization is in mathematics education and the improvement of pedagogy to address issues of equity and justice. Simply put, Dr. Amadon's work is focused on leading people to love others through teaching. Welcome, Dr. Joel Amadon. Hey, welcome. Wow, thank you. Thank you, Katie. I appreciate that. Yes. Listen, we are so happy to have you join us for this episode. And based on the introduction that Katie just gave us, you really are uh, not just involved, but I think committed to the mathematics education community. Uh, share with our listeners a little, if you will, about your past experiences in teaching that have led to your current work. All right. Thanks, Brian. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I started as a high school math teacher in Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. For those of you that are from up north, it's the home of Culver's, uh, a butter burger, if you will. I actually taught a Culver, which was one of my claims to fame. And so, um, yeah, but there in that in that context, I was also a field test teacher for Core Plus, which is one of the 13 NSF funded curricula that were meant to enact the standards. And that was like first time I got to dive into like kind of pulling back the screen and look at what what kind of it is about it like designing curriculum and acting curriculum and doing something that was a little different because it was like this wasn't like up at the chalkboard like showing examples and uh sit and get sort of teaching it was like they work in groups and I'm, i was always like well what do i do if they're working what am i doing and it's like and that was teaching and it was a just different sort of idea about what teaching is and how we could be in, and it was detract which I know uh, NCSM is, is really big on, on uh, detracking. They have statements on that, which I, I'm all about because I saw the benefits of it in my own teaching where we had people with all different abilities in the same classroom and they're learning from each other. It was awesome. So I had that experience and then um, you know went back and got my master's degree, got my master's in learning sciences uh, from the University of Wisconsin. I'm a lifelong Badger. I'm wearing Badger gear right now even. Um, yeah. So, but during that master's degree, I got a nudge from Dr. Mary Louise Gomez, who said, hey, you should think about coming back for a PhD. And as a first, you know, generation college graduate, 
it was like, well, what does that even, <laughs> what does that even look like? I mean, a master's degree was beyond, uh, beyond the end zone for me. So I was like, well, what does it even look like to do a PhD and getting exposed to some of the work that was going on either through Wisconsin or influenced by the work that was happening at Wisconsin, um, some of the social justice work and some of the, the issues of equity and diversity that are being addressed through the DIME CLT, which was the Diversity in Math Education Center for Learning and Teaching that had kind of satellites in Berkeley, UCLA, and Wisconsin. I just kind of get got to hook up to the back end of that. And it was awesome, the kind of work that was being done and had a chance to do uh, a dissertation there. And then you apply all over the country and, and lo and behold, you end up in, in Mississippi. Uh, where I had a chance to uh, enter my first classroom in Mississippi was with Brian Buckhalter right there and invited me to uh, was had an invitation to come in and see what teaching was like here. And then that led to my role, current role as in the University of Mississippi in the Department of Teacher Education, teaching teachers and teaching in, in a elementary math methods class and just loving it. So. And listen, on behalf of Mississippi and everyone, we're very happy you made your way here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a plan. There was a plan somewhere. It was good. Absolutely. Happy you're in Mississippi and happy that you're here with us tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I live in Texas and we have a Culver's here even. So. <laughs> hey, all right. There you go. <laughs> Made it all the way down south. I'll meet y'all uh, at Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Amadon, we talked earlier about your work being centered around teaching math teachers as agape. Tell us more about agape what that work looks like and how it contributes to everyone seeing themselves as a math person. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about agape, agape is one of the Greek words for for love and it's unconditional love. And so you contrast it uh, with Eros. So Eros is, you know, the love of Valentine's day. It's a, a love like given, like a love of desire, a love that's given to the worthy versus agape is thinking about love that's given irrespective of merit, right? And so thinking about all the preparation that teachers are doing uh, in the summer or, teach, or even our or in our teacher preparation programs or even the, the stuff that's going on before, before even the, the class role is presented, right? And so you think about all the work that goes there and there's, you know, there's teachers that are, and teachers of teachers that are loving on people without ever knowing the name, right? And so that's like love given irrespective of merit. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And so during my um, dissertation, I really thought like, well, what does it look like to do that? To, to like teach math as agape? That was my sort of dissertation topic. And I thought about it as like, there's four facets to the relationship where it was like uh, a functional facet. So that uh, thinking about student, and I was thinking about it from a teacher perspective there. And so it was like that students, I wanted my students to be able to work with mathematics to be able to achieve success as defined by society. Then a communal facet where students can work in and with the context and practices of their community and, and so that they could learn more, not only about themselves, but about the community in general. So they have that communal facet. And then in doing that, to also have a, a critical facet where they can work with math to analyze and question the world. Right. So thinking about like some of those teaching math for social justice sort of things that are happening. And then, but then also not just being bogged down by the problems of the world, but also have this inspirational facet that you can envision and work, to, you can work with mathematics to envision and work toward a better world. Right. And so those were like the four facets we kind of thought about with regards to teaching math as agape. And so then in the, you know, kind of moving from the role of teacher of mathematics to teaching teachers how to teach mathematics. 
So then you think about what does it mean to teach math methods as agape? And so not only helping teachers to think about those facets from their own perspective, like, can they work with mathematics in those ways? And so, you know, you can imagine like working with some folks, like just developing that functional relationship with mathematics can be good, but then also thinking about the communal, the critical and the inspirational facets, and even like the influence of a teacher in developing those, uh, developing those facets, not only for themselves in their role as a teacher and thinking about the better world that they can imagine through their role as a teacher of mathematics, but then also thinking about what does that mean for their students and can they help facilitate those relationships with their students. And so teaching math as agape is about, again, giving irrespective. So what do we want to give? We want to give a, a desired relationship with mathematics that four facets describes that relationship. And then teaching math methods as agape is, is or teaching teachers as agape um, is like thinking about how do you help those teachers facilitate those relationships? And what might it look like is um, modeling that kind of teaching, right? So we have some like learning modules that we do in our math methods that I've developed with some colleagues to help them see, okay, here's high quality mathematics, mathematics that's using the context and practices of a community. Um, there's some the teach mathematics group that's out of like Corey Drake and Julia Gary and um, Tanya Bartel, like, and I'm missing, and, and Amy Roth McDuffie have developed some modules that kind of help like that kind of base a lot of that work off of too. Um, and thinking about using those sorts of like materials and modules like that in order to facilitate, Hey, here's what this could look like. Cause sometimes like, you know, we might not have had the, the greatest experience. We might not have had folks that have been facilitating those kinds of relationships uh, with mathematics that we're thinking about. And so in doing this kind of work, you get, I, th I think people get to see like math is more than just the symbol manipulation a lot of times than people get exposed to. And they get to see all the different kinds of ways it is that teaching mathematics can be, or the learning mathematics can be as well. And so like in doing that, they get to, uh, they get to, do math and 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 think about it in recognizable context and with recognizable practices where learners can analyze and question the world and then imagine and work toward that better world. So think about those facets in their own uh, experiences. Oh, listen, that'll preach right there. Uh, I was over here uh, doing the church nod. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Brian, and with that too, it's I mean, and thinking about it, like with math, we're not just creating we're not creating math people. Like if you're living and breathing, you're a math person, you are. And I love this series. I love the, the title of the series, but helping people recognize like the things that they're doing, like the mathematical, you know, part of it, you know, where they're, I mean, people are making sense of problems and perseverance, solving them all the single all the time and thinking about the logic and stuff. Now, how do we, how do we help them see like you're doing, you're doing math. And so helping them recognize that and then creating environments and classrooms where people can do that. Yes, I love it. Um, as you were talking about those four facets, Joel, um, you hit that fourth one, that inspirational facet about working to better the world. And it brings me back to a conversation that we had when I was in graduate school. And I can remember you just frankly saying, listen, when you reach this level of the work, you now have a responsibility to advocate and support those who can't do it for themselves. Um, and so that's always just stuck with me and really, um, you know, guided my day-to-day -day work um, internally and realizing that it's more than just, I love how you said it, the symbol manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, think about when we hear mathematics. 
yeah well and like we have this responsibility like to be a I think a, a steward of the profession, right? And so thinking about how do we how do we do that stewarding? How do we take care? And like even thinking about some of the things that you know, I've I know Brian a long time more than longer than Katie, but just seeing like the things that you've done uh, within this community, but then also beyond, and even with this podcast and all the things you've done with NCSM, like hey, you're you're doing it well. That's that's great. Be that steward. I I concur. She does it well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. It's good to be among colleagues who are all working towards similar, mm-hmm. similar things. Um, Joel, in hearing about your work and reading about your work, um, I think it's pretty evident. One thing that stands out is, you know, your desire to really help and support teachers and anyone who knows you would probably even say people in general be better at whatever task they're tackling in life. Uh, how do you help people see beyond what may be barriers in their eyes, but opportunities in your eyes? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I don't know. Like you kind I don't know. You kind of get this sort of training, I guess, from the the things that we're doing, uh, at least from the, you know, the in my training as a doctoral student. Like you were looking for ways that you there are problems of practice right problems of practice that you you could have an impact on and so you know the problem that needs a solution becomes okay so how do we how do we go about that you know you saw um, one of the books that i was slid um, over as an early doc student was radical equations by bob moses where you know he saw some you, you saw an issue with I mean, in my, in the state I'm currently in with with voting rights, right? So he came and he saw it an opportunity to help register people to vote and saw that as a way for them to access society. But then you think later on, Bob Moses saw it's not just you know voting is a way, but also algebra. If you need to have algebra, math is a, as he said, a gatekeeper to citizenship. And so he saw then an opportunity to work into, into middle school spaces in order to make sure that students went into high school in a way that they weren't taking remedial math so that they'd be prepared for to take college level math, um, not at a remedial rate either, so that they wouldn't be behind, you know, and I mean, Bob Moses is way ahead of the curve with regards to thinking about college debt, right, and taking on those remedial courses that aren't don't count for anything, but yet you're still paying for them, right. And so I don't know, like over and over again, seeing how people have, you know, like there's, if you see something, if something that's on your heart or something bothers you, that's, that's then maybe that's a calling to you, maybe to jump into that space and, and do some work. Right. And so, you know, that's, I guess that's the, that's the thing. If like you're perturbed enough to see it, just like Bob Moses was perturbed enough to see like, Hey, there's something that needs to be done. I mean, it's almost like you've been given a gift right? You've been given a gift that you need to go and, and take action on that space. I have a colleague here. Um, I, you'd mentioned her name, Ann Monroe. And we, I kind of call, uh, she's Batman and I'm Robin. And we kind of go into the bat cave every now and then, and we get perturbed on things. And it's like, okay, so what actions can we take? And rather than just, you know, sit in your feelings, like thinking like, well, well, how can we take action? And now even thinking about not only can we take it, how can we facilitate and, 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 create space for others to take that action because they're perturbed as well you know and so that's kind of that thing i see is like there's there's the the problem becomes an opportunity not that we don't want problems but there's always going to be problems but if you have the the giftedness and the skills and the knowledge to see it then you probably have those same things to take action on it 
That's really encouraging. You know, I think a, a lot of us sometimes sit back and we see things that we want to impact and that we want to change, but we don't feel like we're in positions uh, mm. to enact such change when really we are. Um, I once heard uh, one of our colleagues, we were in the meeting one day and she said, you know, if you can't move a mountain, move a rock. Mm. It's that idea that, you know, when we see problems, big or small, they really are opportunities for us to make that ripple um, of change that eventually becomes the wave. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. We got to see the Bob Moses in each one of us because he was one person who did incredible things and we all have that in us, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Well, so Bob Moses was one incredible educational leader and being an educational leader right now is pretty challenging, probably more complex than it ever has been before. And it can be pretty tough. So Dr. Amidon, as a leader of learning and a supporter of many and teaching with Agape, how do you keep your own bucket filled? Well, so, I'll say, oh, sorry, I cut you no. off. Well, I was going to say, like uh, this, I love this question. Um, you know, in the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast, we talk about that too. We, we, we used to have this question where we talked about how do you, um, you know, get things done versus how do you make sure you get the right things done? And still have a good life, you know, and still living a good life and making sure you're healthy and taking care of yourself. And so this idea of bucket filled, right? Um, you know, so I think there's a couple of things. Like my faith is pretty pretty important to me and my family. So that's that's a big part that that's a bucket filling thing. And if you know anything about agape, they can see like there's a there's faith uh, ripples through that. But then also just thinking about family, making sure family time, make taking some priorities for that and. Uh, so family and and uh, all that uh, good coffee is also, <laughs> but I think with good coffee also comes with opportunities to share that uh, space with others. So if it's uh, just like this afternoon, having a, a moment with a colleague and, and having a, a hot beverage together was, was a, you just, just take a moment to pause and, and be present with somebody. Right. And to, you know, as you're sipping that that's a chance to listen. Right. And like, as oh, they're sipping, it's a chance to, to exchange and having those moments. I remember during the pandemic, it was like, you noticed that you, I was having a lot of conversations, a lot of Zoom conversations with people. I mean, meetings all the time. I was seeing people, but everything was like some sort of exchange. Like we are Mm -hmm. meeting for this purpose. It was almost like, like there's like tokens we were handing back and forth virtually versus like, eventually I just said, Hey, I'm going to have the zoom open. We called it Friday fish fry. I'm from Wisconsin. So Friday fish fry. (laughs) And like having fish fry on Friday at noon, there's, this is not, this is just come and talk. Let's just, we need to chat. Cause there's like, we missed that. Right. I mean, we had just our family. Connect. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to connect. Exactly. Uh, and I know other people did that too. I'm not inventing that, but like, that's something, you know, about having those sorts of uh, being present connections. And then also too, I mean, as you said, I record a lot of podcasts and I guess, you know, it's something y- y'all are probably learning the sneaky secret about podcasts and maybe not so secret because I keep saying it is you get to have conversations with fun people. And like, yeah. that's, that's been great. I mean, I know, like, just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so like, um, you know, the people you get to talk to, and like, I just had a conversation with my clinical instructor that a podcast is going to go out in a couple of days from when we're recording this. And my clinical instruction from 20 years ago, yeah, I could call him and talk to him, but like we went and recorded one on a book called Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers and talked about the implications for teaching. 
And it was just an awesome conversation that I got to have with him. And then we, we get to share it too with others. Cause it's like, he's awesome. And I want to share his awesomeness. And so that's kind of fills my bucket too, is that other people get to hear um, some of this awesomeness that I, I get to experience um, with them. So. That's awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate, you know, you sharing these stories through your podcast and uh, just the inspiration that you provide to listeners that you may never know about. Uh, which is, you know, the essence of teaching, um, making these moments, memories um, in each other's lives. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, and I can't wait to see you for coffee. And I'll be waiting on the actual Friday fish fry. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't tease me with a fish fry. <laughs> That's right. Put us on the list. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so within your work, within all of your work, you know, how do you measure and recognize and celebrate the successes that come uh, within the work that you do? I've actually been thinking about this one uh, a lot. Um, and so I'm actually going to share it. <laughs> I'm going to deflect a little bit and look at. <laughs> Fair enough. So there was a, um, an award that was given to Dan Chazen at the Associates of Mathematics Teacher Educators Conference. Dan Chazen is um, another person whose work I've looked up to. Um, he's at the University of Maryland. Um, he's done some awesome work with uh, thinking about pra the practice of teaching mathematics and just a deep thinker. It, and someone I you know, had a chance to interact with early on in my career, I was trying to interview and get a postdoc and end up, I got this job at Mississippi, but he's still thought about me with regards to opportunities because we've had a good conversation. And so he got this reward for his research on math teacher education. And during the talk that he was supposed to give on, you know, his contributions, what did he do? He talked about other people's contributions, the work that was facilitated through his work. And, or, you know, that the thing that he was able to offer that, that facilitating opportunity for others. Mm. And it was like, it just, it was the biggest message I could have ever heard is just seeing this person being given accolades and could have, you know, took, could have really taken a moment and said, well, let me talk about that. And, but he pointed to others and it was, it was just like, that's, that's what I want. That's what I see is um, there's a great book called the long haul. It's a, it's a autobiography of miles Horton. Miles Horton ran the Highlander Folk School in Tennessee, which is where people like Bob Moses and Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, they would go and Ralph Albert Abernathy, they would go there and learn about uh, helping communities help themselves, right? And it's that same sort of feel. It's like, it's not, a, it's really not about the work that, that Miles Horton did, but about the work that others did. It's not the work that Dan Chazen did. It's about the work that others did that he could facilitate. And I, I really, that's, that's kind of thing. And it, it's kind of a nice thing. Uh, Brian knows because we're in a town that's not very big, but I get to go visit schools and I see students of mine and even students of mine that are that are teaching my own kids and how they're thriving in those classrooms. And that's that's how I think about, you know, recognizing, celebrating success is looking at not only the work of those teachers, but then, you know, students that I've had a chance to work with doc students I've had a chance to work with. And it's just, it's, it's really cool to, to see that and see the, the successes that they're having. That's, uh, 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 sorry, that's, that's what, that's what, uh, how I see success. 
That's awesome. And you know, for your work, I'm happy that you're able to see the fruits of your labor. Um, so, you know, huge applause from <laughs> many of us who have been directly and indirectly uh, impacted by your work. When, yeah. And I guess, you know, too, you think about like, anyway, I know we're talking about um, math, you know, math education, leaders in math, but you see like, you know, the trickle down of the care that people give towards, you know, like even I think about, you know, Brian, the care you've given to the, your predecessor, Candice Cook, and like seeing how she cares for the teachers in the district uh, that I get to see. And you see like, it's like these dividends that are paid forward. And it's, it's beautiful to be able to sit back and see that and, and be able to experience it. And so I don't know, like the, the beautiful side of, of math education, I think the more we can talk about that and share that, and then people get to see like those sorts of aspects of success, I think the, the better that would be. I love it. Uh, it this, again, it's, it just kind of, it's like the epitome of teaching, right? Uh, right. This, this long-term trickle-down effect. Mm -hmm. It's a really amazing way to think about leadership and your success is the success of those around you and the growth of those around you. And for every one of those successes, they're going to have more successes and all of those people are going to contribute to the success of your students. So it's very, very heartwarming. Well, Dr. Amadon, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we leave, how can our listeners keep up with you and your work? Well, um, I have a website, amadonplanet.com. We're all about learning how to teach better. And so uh, on that front page, there's the there's usually the updated version of the different podcasts. So the um, Road to Better Teaching podcast with Anne Monroe or the Teaching Math Teaching podcast with Dusty, Jen, and Ava, or just my personal podcast is just Amadon Planet. Um, kind of like my little playground there. So those are there. And then any anything, any presentations or things are there as well. Um, I did want to share one thing. And I know this was going to skip over, but there's a message to leave the listeners with. There's one that always helped me. And I think sometimes with the teachers, um, they get to think about this message. And um, it's, it's a, I was given this board from my wife that had this message on it said, believe there is good in the world. And then in that message, you've probably seen this before, it highlighted is be the good. And the, the thing that I like about that is believe there's good in the world. Sometimes with all the, some negativity that can go around, you just have, you gotta believe that there's good in the world. But then all the, at the same time, be the good, like you can take action towards that good. So I, I know I need that. I need to read that every now and then. And I think that's something that helps me out. And I think um, trying to do some things that, you know, the things that we're investing in, in others, like, I mean, you are all the teachers out there, all the math leaders out there that are, you know, listening to this, man, you already are being the good. And so then obviously you can believe that there's good in the world. So. I like that. Don't wait. Don't wait for the good to come be the good. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. I was gifted actually with a t-shirt from Joel uh, with that message on it. And I'll say, I wear it often when I'm traveling, Joel. And you won't believe how many people really stop and look at the shirt and they like give me a smile or they're giving me a thumbs up or, you know, it's just that, that little confirmation of we're in this together. Let, let's yeah. be together. Let's be so, good. 
That's right. Uh, I know, Dr. Amadon, I know, Joel, you shared um, how our listeners can keep up with you, but I also wanted to share some exciting news. And so if this news is not accurate, uh, we'll just edit this part of the podcast out. But if I'm not mistaken, I just heard that uh, you will be the keynote speaker at a conference coming up here in Oxford, Mississippi later this summer. It's the For the Love of Math conference happening on June 28th here in Oxford, Mississippi. And we are just so honored to have you. Uh, and we're looking forward to the word that you're going to bring to our participants. So yeah. thank you for that. No problem. I'm, I'm excited about that. That's cool. Thanks so much. We hope that you have been inspired by this bold mathematics leadership conversation and will tune into our podcast series each month. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can learn more about NCSM, Leadership in Mathematics Education, and our upcoming professional learning events on the NCSM website, mathedleadership.org. You can also follow NCSM on Twitter at mathedleaders and using the hashtag NCSMBold. Until next time.